And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, the 4th of August. And we're back to normal. The wonderful, the one and only Phil Smith is back with us. Hi, Phil. How was your week's holiday? <laughs> it was excellent there. Thank you for that splendid introduction. I was up in Bonnie, Scotland, in the borders, staying Kelso. It's beautiful. I'm playing a bit of golf. What a gorgeous country. That was all still green up there, wasn't it? They've had rain. Is that right? Ish. It was pretty dry around the sort of the, uh, the coast where we were, uh, around Galena and Muirfield. But uh, but there's still yeah a fair amount of greenery about. But it's oh, just really really pretty. Very nice. Very good. Well, anyway, last week we had a bit of a diversion. It was just me and uh, talking about my general thoughts, which is always a dangerous subject to get me on. Because I can rant and rave, but anyway, let's go. We let's let's crack on. There's a few things to talk about in tech and transitional energy, and actually a few things in brands as well. Um, so I don't know if there's any particular area that you want to start in. Uh, I'm, I might, as you've been away, let you have first go. All righty. Well, I've just been doing a bit of catching up on the news flow, and I remember we were talking about uh, second quarter results coming in from the US as a kind of guide to what is going on. So just in summary on those, because the markets have had a bit of a bounce back. Um, I don't know, there's a, a report out I saw on Icon, and it was saying that uh, on second quarter earnings, growth is expected at 7.7% year on year. So, and that was more than the 5.6% uh, that was expected. So this is going through all of the results that have been coming out. So I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting to see. Um, and on the, you know, on the positive was uh, industrials did well, materials did well, real estate still doing well. This is in the States. And on the losing financials, communication services and consumer discretionary. So there we go. Well, of course, uh, before we get into to details of specific companies, I mean, what we have seen in July is, is actually quite a big bounce back in general in markets. And of course, in the US, um, We've seen some massive movements uh, in the the transitional energy space. Um, and when I say massive, I'm talking sort of 25, 50% moves upwards um, because of the whole um, bills going through the US to pump money into the space and Minchin switching his view to actually agreeing. Um, and I think that's something we haven't really felt here over in the UK. Um, but I know, um, as an example, that I think a lot of people know I follow the uh, Schroders Global Transitional Energy Fund. In fact, I don't just follow it, I own it. But I also know the fund manager quite well. Uh, and in one day alone last week, he was up 6%, um, but underperforming the peer group slightly because, as he said to me, some stocks were up 25, 50%, um, and I can't have them all. Otherwise, my portfolio on the down days would be horrendous. So it's actually been quite a quite a couple of weeks, shall we say, for the transitional energy space, but mainly in the US. And that's where it's all happening. Um, you know, the US is pumping money to get this all going. And on that point, um, and we're, we're now well and truly into transitional energy, which is, you know, we all love. Um, but you may have seen a couple of days ago, Cummins announced that they had taken a big investment, 24 million, into vault storage which makes, yes, you wait for it, folks, vanadium flow batteries. They actually make small ones for sort of commercial, uh, um, you know, household use. Um, but Cummins is coming in to transform them so that they can do it more for industrial use. Uh, now, 
to me, this is really, really significant, actually, because what it shows is that at last, and we've, we've talked about it for a long time, and everyone said, we don't believe you, and we don't believe you, nothing's happening. The big boys are looking at this space, and they're saying, look, you know, we've got to have alternatives to lithium-ion for long-duration energy storage. Clearly, pumped hydro is, is the big one at the moment. You, you can't have that everywhere because you haven't got mountains everywhere, although you can do pumped hydro without a mountain. It's just not as effective. Um, but I think this is pretty exciting news, actually. And what's happening in the US is is should be making people wake up a lot. Yeah, absolutely. With you there. I mean, Cummins are a huge global producer in terms of power generation equipment and things like gen sets. Um, so it's it's amazing to see them kind of investing in this space and shows that, you know, as you say, the bigger corporations now are are really looking at technologies that are available in the space. And I mean, it's interesting. I, I, so I do think that um, the the excitement is going to be in the US. Um, uh, but I also noticed this week, and actually, I'd be interested in your views. I suspect you've looked at it a bit more deeply than me. Um, but I see that Sinopec Capital and Johnson Matty are, are talking about a strategic collaboration across uh, decarbonisation and hydrogen technologies. Now that perhaps comes across a bit strange getting into bed with the Chinese at the moment, particularly when, you know, with all the tension that is going on at the moment in the uh, with Taiwan. Um, but it does show that there are still deals to be done out there. I don't know if you've got a view on that, Phil. I, well, look, I do. I mean, I, th I think that um, it, it throughout all of the turmoil that's going on at the moment, and I think it'll come out with a lot of our discussions, I think, is that Things are still very much going on. People are, companies are very much looking to the future. Um, and investment, you know, investment is continuing. What I've seen is a very strong future growth areas. And China is investing very, very heavily in renewable, uh, in renewables and, you know, combating climate change, doing what it's can. And hydrogen is one of those areas. And uh, Johnson Matthey, of course, is a, you know, well-established chemicals businesses is very established in terms of some of its hydrogen technology, particularly in the catalysts that it provides. So um, it, was, it was positive to see. But as I say, activity is still going on. It's not on hold because of all, some of all the, uh, you know, the bad news flow we're seeing. Actually, talking of which, and this, this does count in transition, Andrew, really, we announced today that we've just raised, uh, it may sound small, but it's very early stage, uh, £1.2 million for Alchemy Capital, which is building the... Uh, Tees Valley lithium hydroxide plant, uh, which is, in my view, vital for the UK to create this end-to-end uh, -end, uh, battery capability. So, you know, we know that, um, you know, at one end, you've got the mining, uh, mining for lithium, uh, and hopefully at some stage, we'll, we will get that happening in, in Cornwall out of the English China clay pits, which are owned by Imeris, the French conglomerate. Um, we know we've got things like um, British Vault, who are trying to build a gigafactory, but having that processing capability in the middle, and you used a key word with Johnson Massey, chemicals. You use a lot of chemicals in these things, and these facilities need to be on a chemical plant. Um, and that's what Tees Valley is. It's a chemical plant. It's a free port. And it's also linked into the wind turbines offshore so that you can actually use green energy to make your green products. Uh, anyway, we closed a, a deal, 1.2 million for the company today. We actually did it, believe it or not, at a premium, which is not easy in a tough market. And I'm pleased to say that the stock is actually up 22% today and actually has gone well above the premium that we raised it at. So that was a nice bit of news. 
Well, well done to the uh, the VSA team on on that one and quite resulting. I was at, at the NEC recently for Battery Tech uh, exhibition and there was a, a lot of talk about the activity that's going on up in um, you know with British Vault with batteries and and people have come across Tees Valley Lithium as well uh, in the space. So so that's all good news. Very good. Uh, right, uh, go on another go from you, Phil. Well, we can move on swiftly on to uh, the tech sector because this really has been driving the markets and will be sat um, some of these bigger players in a lot of people's uh, portfolios. Um, the Nasdaq is up 16% since mid-June. Apple is up very strongly, up by 23%. Uh, and Amazon, nearly 30%. So getting back to a bit of what you're saying about the, the, the markets and some recovery. And kind of why, why is this happening is... I think what's quite interesting at the moment, Andrew, is we're not seeing um, a lot of end demand falling as yet uh, and corporate demand falling. And like Amazon, for instance, is very, very strong in its cloud services, challenges, probably more challenges in its kind of more consumer products businesses. We know with costs and delivery costs, and employee costs rising, but cloud service is very strong for Amazon. Um, and, and, and Apple doing very, very well too in, in smartphones and demand for smartphones. So things not being seen to slow um, quite, uh, you know, yet or maybe as dramatically as expected necessarily, given, as I say, given the news flow that's around. Um, but that's I'll just pick up on your point slightly, yeah. Phil. I mean, I think um, you have to differentiate slightly between areas. So, for instance, you know, we, we know things like Netflix, for instance, we are seeing subscribers come off. Um, and we have had a few companies uh, that we may come on to in a second um, in the brand space, which have had profits warnings. Um, so I think you have to look at it and say, where, what sort of consumer is really getting squeezed the hardest? And also, what will that consumer cut out? Now, what he might, clearly, if you've got, you know, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Disney TV, Netflix, you might say, actually, I need to cut back on them because I can actually watch the BBC and ITV for free, effectively. I've got to pay for my license, of course. Um, whereas you're not going to give up your iPhone. People just live on them. Uh, so you need, and, and again, certain things are, are, shall we say, used by people who have more cash and therefore the, the squeeze is not hurting them quite as much. Uh, so I think you do have to do a little bit differentiate, but I think you're right. I mean, the one great thing about an awful lot of technology is that it's it's basically embedded in our lives and we can't do without it. Yeah, absolutely. No, fair point. I mean, when you're looking at, yeah, looking at any sectors, looking at the specific spend and spend that's vulnerable. Um, but I, I just, you know, I just remember going through the kind of Lehman's downturn stuff and how quickly actual business spend and capital spend came off. Um and we're not, it's interesting, we're not seeing, we've not got to that point yet. And that doesn't seem to be readily on the horizon. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Some of these, you know, the consumer areas that are going to be softer and where you can quickly, you know, quickly cut down your expenditure on tech. Yeah. Well, and again, the big difference, Phil, I think, between business and consumer, um, B and C, because one of the things that I've been talking to a lot of people about this and having a bit of a rant, to be honest with you, is that businesses today are actually in pretty strong shape. And the reason is very simple, and this is a global phenomenon, is that during COVID, i.e. the last two years, companies that certainly were listed on stock markets were able to raise literally billions and billions of pounds. The stock markets were incredibly good at shoring up 
businesses. And they've left them all in a ver with very strong balance sheets and in a very good shape. And so, of course, businesses can keep spending money on technology and upgrading their capabilities and making themselves stronger. They can go out and do M&A. They've got the funds. And actually, that's one of the really big things that people forget about stock markets. Oh, did they work well during COVID? I mean, they were incredible. They probably saved the UK economy. Yet what politician ever actually points out that it was the stock markets that saved the UK economy? What politician ever says, actually, how do we help the stock markets function better? And how do we incentivize people to put new money into our companies? Because the best way of putting new money into companies is through the stock market. You have a tradable equity. If you do it through an IPO, through a placing, you are helping that company to grow. You are creating jobs. You are creating wealth for the country, yet the government never, never seems to appreciate that. I'll stop now. That was a rant, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I don't think that was a rant. I think that was a good set of very, very valid points indeed. And as a, you know, as a SIP holder uh, for my pension, it also creates wealth for pensioners or would-be pensioners. So it's a, you know, look, it's, it's hugely important for the economy. It creates jobs. And uh, I think you've raised some very fair points that you should get across to those candidates for now, the I, Conservative Party leadership. So, I mean, I will point out that the one problem with the stock market, right, yeah. is it can be absolutely ruthless. <laughs> and I think it's what scares people. I mean, I think I've, I've talked about on this before how private equity is, in my view, is, a, is just a, a Ponzi scheme because they just keep putting the values of their businesses up and up and up and up when clearly they're not going up. They're actually going down. Uh, and there's a disaster to happen in, in private equity. But I, I was looking at and this is the brands bit, but Revolution Beauty, which was floated um, about a year ago at 160p. Uh, I mean, they had a small profits warning the other day, but it was it was only really small. They're still going to make about 20 million. EBITDA, the stock's gone basically from 160 to 20p. Now that is one hell of a hit. And I guess that's what frightens the hell out of investors that something like that can happen. But I mean, if you just think about it, right? At 20p, this company now, it's about to make 20 million EBITDA, right? It's got a market cap of only 60 million. I can tell you, it's on 0.3 times sales. Most brand companies are, are trading on three times sales, 10 times higher, all right? That means it's only on three times EBITDA. And actually that is too cheap. And I suppose that's what frightens a lot of people is, is that that sort of a hit um, can happen. And you see all your money sort of flying out the door, which is quite a worry. And I, I, so I, that's the downside of equity markets. Um, whilst on brands, by the way, I'm just gonna have a little bit of a mention here for one of our clients, Samarkand. And I mention it because obviously it has high exposure to China. Um, and a lot of people have been ringing me up recently saying, Andrew, with what's going on in Taiwan, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Cold War II, all this sort of stuff, you know, is that going to impact Samarkand? You know, what I would say to people, and I'm just sort of saying it publicly now, is look, you know, uh, Samarkand has actually some very unique technology. I, I, I happen to believe that clearly what's going on in China isn't necessarily good news. It's a bit of a black swan event. Um, but at the end of the day, there will still be a lot of people in China with aspirations to uh, be able to buy Western brands. And therefore, it's not all over. It's perhaps a little bit more complicated. It perhaps slows a little bit whilst we're in this Cold War, too. But it's still 
a really good business. It's got people like SF Express, which is the Chinese equivalent of, you know, FedEx or DHL. And it's actually got DHL as a partner and it's got Smolin as a partner. Um, it's got it's really well set up. So, yes, China is causing it a few issues and the share price has come back because of that. Um, but, you know, actually, it's still in a very good position. Um, so if you want more information on that, do just perhaps message us directly. Yep, absolutely, Andrew. That was uh, all, uh, yeah, all well made and uh, and and very well time comment on Sunacan there. But you're right about the technology and the platform and the acceptance it's been getting by some major major providers in the uh, in the logistics space. It's always a great validation software. And, and you know, a bit like the Hat Group, they they do own some of their own brands, and and you know, we reported the other day their own brands, or they reported, and we reported on them reporting. If you follow me, uh, you know they're, they're actually performing really well. So they actually have a, another arm to their leg, or whatever the word is, leg to their stool, something like that, um, and uh, that helps them. Uh, so anyway, moving on because I'm getting myself in the right tizzles there. Uh, Phil, your go. Yes, uh, right, okay. On to results because there's been quite a few results coming through. Uh, IP Group had their interims, um, and IP Group has uh, a whole range. It's a very well-known technology investor, early stage tech. Uh, advanced growth tech, uh, the big portfolio companies. But as they had their interims, the share price is 87p, the market cap's 900 million. Um, and they reported that their net asset value of their investment portfolio is now valued at 1.4 billion pounds. And that's 137p per share against a share price of 87p. Uh, but the interims reported a loss of uh, 310 million. But part of that, that's something we discussed, was down to a reduction in the value of one of their um, investments, Oxford and Nanopore, um, and they have to, you know, the value enough that they to part public market valuations. Now, excluding that, uh, the company made, IP Group made a profit of 35.6 million. Um, and so, you know, they've got plenty of cash on their balance sheet. They're continuing to invest in companies, which we want to be seeing. Um, and it's trading at quite a discount. And the shares have had uh, had a bit of a bounce back as well, and I think, you know, in my view, rightly so. Quite a discount, a huge discount. Uh, look, I think we've talked about stock when it's. I think it's a really good way of playing the technology sector. I do own it myself, um, and you know, obviously they do have to mark to market to a certain extent and write down their holdings because they're a quoted company. Private equity should be doing exactly the same, but doesn't. Um, but IP Group's a good company. It's too cheap at the moment. It's well run. It's got a great portfolio of companies. Uh, to me, it's an outright buy. Right. Well, we could be clear on clear on that one. And just to just to add, uh, Nexian, which is one of their investments, is a is a battery materials developer. In fact, they're developing, I think it's silicon based anode technologies for batteries. And they uh, just announced this week as well that they've closed the fundraising. Uh, which totals an investment of 170 million dollars. So you can see the types of companies that they're they're dealing with here, and um, and the sorts of investments that they attract. Yep. Okay. Great, so, so swiftly moving on, uh, Megit. Uh, that's MGGT's a ticket, 6.2 billion. Uh, this is one of our most advanced engineering companies. Uh, it's very much an international business, and they're heavily involved in aerospace and defence. Uh, but also energy markets. Um, investors might not come across Mega. Actually, uh, they make advanced composites for aeroframe structures, altimeters. They pronounce Andrew flight deck instrumentation, sensors, engine systems, 
So very, you know, it's advanced engineering tech company um, and they reported their interims. And interestingly, and getting back onto consumer behavior, consumer spend and all of those that are traveling, their civil aerospace related organic revenue was up 30 percent uh, in the first half of this year. So very strong uh, bounce back. Um, and they had seen strong growth in their order books as well. So, you know, this whole thing about looking what's happening in society, how people are behaving and how that's driving spend in specific areas. You can see that filtering through to through to Megit's results and their order books were up on an organic basis by 38%. So that was a yeah, good set of numbers from Megit. Yeah, we had, we had a few figures this morning. They all look pretty good, didn't we? We had Megit, we had TT Electronics, we had Sparrant. You may, you may want to comment on them. Yeah, yeah. Well, T, oh, sorry, TT, oh, I missed out on that one. I just come on that one, but Sparrant. Uh, no, they were, well, I can tell you, TT looked pretty good as well, actually. So, uh, but yeah, tell us about Sparrant. Yeah, um, so Sparrant tickets SPT, uh, 1.7 billion market cap, it's up 13% shares are in the last month. Um, Spirant is a global brand in test equipment, uh, and it's the sort of test equipment that is used to test things like mobile phone handsets used by worldwide manufacturers of handsets, 5G networks, um, cloud systems in data, you know, data centers. So if you're developing new kit, you've got to test it. You've got to make sure it meets a certain specification. That's what they do. Um, and they reported uh, first half figures and they have seen their order intake, uh, order books up by 30% to £284 million. Revenue was up 10%, 280 million. It's test equipment, it's high value. Look at the gross margins. They made gross margins 72%, an operating profit of uh, 49 million up from 45 million. Uh, and this company, boy, does it generate cash. And they're sat on 190 million of cash. It's a really high quality um business but you can see you know their spend here is driven by 5g networks which we've talked about a lot the investment in 5g networks but also in cloud computing infrastructure mm, i'll tell you another it's been a favorite of yours for one another favorite i'm sure you i'm sure you looked at it on tuesday philtronic had results didn't they and they look pretty good yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a small, it's a smaller company, 32 million market cap. Tickers FTC. Um, their shares are up by 21%, I think, last month, something like that. But they design, they specialise in uh, radio frequency electronics. So this is microwaves, millimetre wave technology. So all the stuff that's used in highly advanced communications. Um, so aerospace, defense, telecommunications infrastructure, satellite infrastructure. So, yeah, they're a good day, good sets, full year results. Um, and they saw their revenue go from 15.6 million to 17.1. But uh, all more importantly, their operating profit jumped up from 0.6 million to 2 million. So good set for, you know, for smaller grades, very specialized engineering tech kind of thing we love. Um, nice growth in profits, good market exposure, and they've got uh, 2.2 million in cash in the balance sheet. Actually, all the stocks you, we've been mentioning over the last year, they're all performing quite well, aren't they? Now, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off-piste and, and see if you can work out which company I want you to talk about next. I'm going to go tuck, 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 tuck. Come on, <laughs> Phil, that was such a good clue. It was a great lead-in. There was a placing this morning and some results from a company. Oh, hey, there was. Is this Soyeta? That's the one, Sayeta. 
Hey, oh, well done, well done. <laughs> nice one. Right, anyway, this is a UK-based electric motor company. Um, yeah, and they've uh, yeah they raised twenty-three million pounds. It IPO'd was it just over a year ago, I think. Um, yeah. And they had uh, yeah they had full-year results as well. I think the revenues were about three million pounds, but uh, yeah, raised twenty-three million of capital. And they announced a new American automotive partner who's going to be working with them on their uh, on their technology. So, which is probably why they were able to raise twenty three million pounds. Uh, but well done. That's a great. I mean, in midsummer when the markets are tight and closed uh, to raise twenty three million pounds, I've got to give credit to uh, credit where credit is due to Canical Genuity for that. Well done. Yeah, yeah. No, that, no, that's super. And it, and again, look, it's great to see UK tech getting getting proper backing, being done on the stock market and raising that uh, that quantum of money. Now, yeah. I tell you, there's one other I, I think we should actually mention this week. I don't know, Phil, you may not have been watching this, but um, there has actually, you were talking earlier about stocks over in America performing incredibly well, but have you been watching AMTD Digital on NASDAQ? No, missed it, go on. No, yeah, missed it. Well, I'll give you a clue, all right. This stock, IPO'd at about $17.80 about 10 days ago. Do you want to have a guess at, uh, at what the price is today? Well, the Nasdaq's been going up, so I would probably $19. Keep going higher. Oh, God, really? 25 Oh, Phil, come on, higher, higher, higher. Yeah, what does it do? Come on, what is it? Uh, <laughs> it... That's <laughs> a good question. I'll give you a clue, right? Actually, today it closed at only eleven hundred dollars. Which? I a hundred bagger in a fortnight. All right, but yeah. it did peak at about sixteen hundred dollars. I a two hundred bagger in a fortnight. Now that's the sort of stock I really like. And why didn't we tell everyone to do to buy it? If you sort of mean. Um, what do they do? All right, it offers services to develop online businesses, financial services in financial services technology. It's got 50 members of staff. Uh, for one stage, it was bigger than Alibaba, uh, and it does about $25 million of revenue. Not bad. It's what we call a mem stock now. These are stocks which in, in America get picked up, and uh, the retail investors just go bananas, not having a clue what they're doing. I'm thinking that maybe we could turn VSA into a, a mem stock and watch us go to worth billions of pounds. Talking of Alibaba, though, also just quickly worth mentioning in case people haven't seen it, but SoftBank have sold about, I think it's 20 billion of their Alibaba shares uh, through a whole complex system of derivatives. Um, and SoftBank are raising a lot of money at the moment. Obviously, they're also um, uh, selling their arm holding. But I, I think there's an interesting point here is that actually if you look at what, if you look at SoftBank, it basically became incredibly successful on the back of Alibaba. And at one stage, I think Jack Ma was the richest man in China uh, and Massa the richest man in Japan. And yet, you know, clearly both now are fading in wealth and in notoriety. That's a difficult word to say. Um, which is interesting to me. It tells you another bit of a story, I think, about what's going on, uh, perhaps with China and and that sort of thing. Um, also, I mean, not really necessarily technology, but I, I don't know if you saw Maersk had a profits warning this morning on weaker container demand, which also tells you a little bit about supply logistics, etc. 
Uh, so worth bearing that in mind. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to um, to container prices because that's you know just generally had a huge impact across the you know mm. across 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 all businesses you know many many businesses so uh, yeah well that could be I don't not good for my shareholders perhaps but maybe good general uh, generally might see rates come down so that'd be a good thing. Anyway, anything else from you, Phil, that you want to bring up? I don't think the only other one I saw in terms of results, and this is a company that I follow for a long time and had liked and was must be a bit of a surprise for a lot of shareholders, was XP Power. Uh, XPP had their interims, and they make um, power supplies that go into semiconductor equipment, healthcare equipment, industrial applications. Um, so very high-spec power supplies um, and they have had quite a few issues here looks like their their interims to June order intake was up 18% uh, to uh, 23% as reported involving currency 193 million so that's a big positive tick um, revenue growth constrained by industry-wide component shortages which we've had for a long time uh, lockdown in China, they've got a manufacturing plant in China, expanded completely time. So, yeah, quite a few issues there. So, you know, component supplies impacts production volumes and that hit their profits. So that was not good. Uh, that is up. There was a legal case, Comet Technologies, and the court found in favour of Comet and awarded damages of $40 million against XB Power. So, um, certainly impacted the share price. That's a real shame to see and hope they get recovered from some of this. Uh, yeah, you're throwing the whole book at that one, Phil. You know, that doesn't sound at all good. It has to be said that uh, this stock was trading at um, a huge price, wasn't it? It was sort of up at £60, was it, or something? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, now it's down to £21. It's got a harsh fall. It, yeah, it is. And it's one of those situations to to sort of keep an eye on because it, at the end of the day, underlying is a, a, an outstanding, you know, it's got a fantastic customer base. It does have a good product that does command, you know, in decent markets, commands very, very good margins. So um, it, it's, you know, fundamentally what they call a good asset. But well, just right now going through the mill. You tell us and all the listeners when to buy it. That's the thing. OK, I'll plot my course on that one. Very good. Right. On that note, we've been chatting for about 30 minutes, so we don't want to bore everybody to death. Uh, we'll call it a day there. Please, as usual, it's great to have you back, Phil. Uh, any comments, send them in. Uh, any requests, send them in. Um, and we will chat next week. I look forward to that, Andrew.